Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. I grew up on the South Jersey shore. Love the beach. Many times I watched and I listened, though, to that angry Atlantic Ocean. Churning and thundering and just crashing upon the coast. And when it crashed... It just spews and tosses up all kinds of refuse and dirt and mud. And it cannot be quieted. At this time, two different coastal states have declared a state of emergency bracing for a hurricane. Swirling troubles, making mess of things, high winds, high tides. And oftentimes, these storms are given names. Lane last month in the Pacific battered Hawaii. Gordon in the Gulf of Mexico, and now Florence is heading for North and South Carolina. At times, there are hateful hurricanes of humanity who also have names. And they blow into life and they just wreak havoc. And they churn and they toss in in this slander and scorn and they just spew up refuse and mud, if you will. And they refuse to be quieted. And there is nothing peaceful about these kind of people. They can be seen in different political parties battering the opposition. They can be co-workers stirring up trouble at the office. They can be hateful, spiteful neighbors or family members. And they can also be found in religious circles. Including churches like this one. Today we're going to track one of these hurricanes. We're going to observe it on the radar of God's word. It's just about ready to make landfall, this swirling hurricane of of hate and hypocrisy. And we see it recorded for us in John chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. I originally desired to preach the entire passage of John chapter 1 through 11. There's so much material here though. I didn't think anybody wanted to stay for three hours. So I decided to break it in half. And you're thinking, well, we're still going to be here an hour. (laughs) Don't worry. We're going to look at this passage in two distinct parts. And today we're going to see this dark storm. But next week, we're going to see the light of mercy break through. But but today, we're going to learn some lessons from this hurricane. And and it's recorded in John chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Read with me. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. Enter the hurricane of hatred and hypocrisy. 
The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? And they were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. I've titled this part one message, Lessons from the Hurricane of Hatred and Hypocrisy. And I want us to study hatred and hypocrisy for a couple reasons. One is so that we might recognize what it looks like, how it acts, and what it sounds like. Because of truth be known, we all as sinners have the ability for this storm to develop in our own hearts. And we need to be careful of becoming hatred, hating toward people, hateful toward people, and being hypocrites ourselves. We also need to be careful as a church because hatred and hypocrisy is found in many places. And that's the first point. The hurricane of hate and hypocrisy is found in the most religious places and among the most religious people. This is the most religious country, Israel. This is the religious capital, so to speak, of the world, Jerusalem. And this is the most religious site imaginable, the holy temple of God. There could not be a more holy place. And if hypocrisy can be found here, hypocrisy can be found anywhere. Including among the people of God. And including our church. Don't assume a holy place is absent of swirling storms of hatred and hypocrisy. For there may be some among us that came into church this morning and there is hatred stirring in your heart. Toward an individual. Toward a group of people. There could be individuals who came in this morning and there is hypocrisy stirring in our heart. We look good on the outside. Oh, we're in church. We even carry a Bible and we sing praise choruses. But there is hypocrisy in the way you and I are living, maybe. There is hypocrisy between what we say and what we actually do. I want you to understand hypocrisy can be found anywhere. Hypocrisy can be found among the upper echelon of spiritual leadership. We're told here the scribes and the Pharisees, these are the religious elite holding positions of a religious authority. These are leaders among God's people. They know the Bible better than anyone. They've studied it their entire lives. They have memorized great portions of God's word, hidden it in their heart, and they are still hypocrites. The scribes are are teachers. They are interpreters of the word of God. They are basically religious lawyers is who they are. They, They rule on legal matters dealing with God's word. Then you have the Pharisees. This is the biggest religious group in Jesus' day. This is the group Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, came out of. 
The Pharisees are the authorities on Jews, uh, Jew, Jewish law. Uh, they've taught strict uh, uh, ob- observance to written law and oral law. Actually holding that oral law is more important than written law. Their name comes from the word meaning separatists. They have separated themselves from anything unholy. So they are very holy people. They've separated themselves from people who are unclean. Gentiles. That's you and me. And Jews who didn't follow the law. They are holier than everyone. I want you to understand we've got to guard our hearts. And we've got to guard our church from this kind of attitude. From ever thinking that we are better than others. Because of our knowledge of the Bible. Is superior to other people. Or thinking we're better than other people because of the positions we hold. Whether in leadership of a church in some area or not. So the hurricane of hate and hypocrisy is found in the most religious places and most religious people. Secondly, what I learned is that the hurricane of hate and hypocrisy is just downright rude and disrespectful. It says here in John 8, in the early morning and in the temple is where Jesus and the people are. And and I want you to notice here, they they just barge right in with a woman caught in adultery, set her in the center of the court. Teacher, this woman's been caught in adultery in the very act. How very strange for Jesus to be teaching in the courtyard of the temple and this to take place. How very strange it would be for a pastor to be preaching the word of God and all of a sudden somebody to stand up and disrupt the service. How very strange for somebody to barge into a church service and and grab a woman who's been caught in adultery and bring her right up to the platform in front of everybody else. Can you imagine that? The hurricane makes landfall. And they are obnoxious. And they are loud. And they are rude. And they are tossing up the refuse and mud on people. And they are determined to make a scene is what they're doing. A public scene. Their arrogance is unparalleled. They think they own the place. Because they're religious leaders. And they don't care about Jesus. They don't care about what Jesus is teaching. They don't care about this woman. They don't care about the people who've gathered to hear God's word. They only care about themselves. And these hate-filled Hypocrites care nothing about anyone else. It's about their agenda. The hurricane of hate and hypocrisy is found in the most religious places and among the most religious people. Be careful. It is downright rude and disrespectful. Be careful. Thirdly, the hurricane of hate and hypocrisy utilizes a double standard. Say that with me. It utilizes a double standard. Verse 3, they brought a woman caught in adultery. Hmm, what is wrong with this picture? Where's the guy caught in adultery? Adultery, as far as I remember, involves two people. Yet they're only accusing one person. I want you to understand this. They were caught in the act. The religious leaders know who the guy is. Where is he? Well, possibly he fled the scene. Or maybe it was a setup all along. 
from the very beginning with this man. But something is definitely suspicious and clearly not right. They know where she is. They know what she is doing. Someone has been keeping an eye on her. I want you to understand that hatred and hypocrisy is inconsistent. It does not treat people equally. It doesn't. And it holds this double standard. Be careful of a double standard in your own life. And you know the double standard. Jesus taught about it. When we look at somebody else and we see the speck. Oh, they've got a speck in their eye. Take it out. And what did Jesus say? You better start with the log that's in your own eye. That's a double standard. So, so let's stop pointing at everybody else and all of the sin in your relatives' lives and your neighbors' lives and your classmates' lives and your teammates' lives and other Christians' lives and take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, God, what are the logs that I need to remove? How dare I hold a double standard? And look at the specks in other people's lives and put those specks under the microscope and blow them up even bigger than what they are. And then gossip to other people and slander them before others. And for some of us, God may be saying, man, you got a big old log in your life and I'm sick and tired of it. I'm tired of you being a hypocrite. I'm tired of you pointing out the sin in other people's lives. When you got a serious problem, you better deal with. And you better deal with it now. This hurricane of hatred and hypocrisy utilizes a double standard. Be careful. The hurricane of hate and hypocrisy, next, we see specializes in shaming people. Not saving people. Uh, Again, they bring this woman caught in adultery, center of the court. I want you to picture the scene. She's been caught in the act of adultery. What does that mean? They sprung into her bedroom. That's what it means. They grab her from the home. Barely a chance to get dressed. Covered in a sheet, maybe. Clothes thrown on. I want you to get this. You can take that down. I'm not ready for that. So they spring into the bedroom, grab her. They drag her and parade her through the streets. People are staring. People are mocking. People are talking. They bring her into the temple. Throw the picture up. (laughs) I want you to think about this. She is made to stand alone in the center of the court in front of all the people that are gathered to hear Jesus teach. In front of this group of men, the most religious people in their righteous robes. Everyone is staring at her. She is alone. And they are publicly announcing her sin to everyone. And giving the juicy details of it. She was caught in the act of adultery. Oh, and then they start talking about her death. That she deserves to die. 
I want you just to imagine the humiliation and the shame and the terror and the fear of this woman. They don't care a thing about saving her. They only care about shaming her. I want us to review some very important reminders of how I should act and you should act and we as a church should act when people are caught in sin. I want us to see how spiritual people react. First, Galatians 6, 1 through 2. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, what? You are spiritual, what? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So spiritual people always seek restoration. Say that with me. Spiritual people always seek restoration. So are you spiritual is the question. Or are you a hypocrite? Are you all about shaming someone? Are you all about condemning someone? Are you all about gossiping about someone and slandering someone publicly? Or on social media? Or texting somebody about somebody else's sin? Are you a hypocrite or are you spiritual? Because spiritual people will always seek to restore those caught in sin. It says here, Galatians 6, put that up there again, brethren, so this is to God's family, this is to the church, this is how every single Christian is to act, if you want to be spiritually mature. We are told to seek restoration no matter the person. Look at the verse. If anyone is caught, that means if they are male or they are female, They are black or they are white. They are young or they are old. It is someone you like or someone you dislike. You are to seek restoration and help them. And not only that, the verse goes on, seek restoration no matter the sin. If anyone is caught in any what? You name the sin. It could be the sin of adultery. It could be the sin of murder. It could be the sin of homosexuality. It could be the sin of pedophilia. It could be the sin of addictions to drugs or alcohol. It says any trespass. You don't get to pick and choose which people you're going to help to restore. God says, I want you to restore. You seek after any Christian who has fallen into any sin. That's spirituality. See, I want you to understand something about spiritual people based on this passage. They see it as their job to help people get back to God and get back to others. That's what they want to do. They're not there to throw rocks. They're there to pray for this person and seek to help this person get back on track with God. 
because something went wrong and somehow they got derailed and they need someone to put the train back on the track because they spiritually crashed and burned. Spiritual people always seek to restore. Spiritual people will always be gentle. Look what it says, in a spirit of gentleness. So my job is not to be cruel and unkind and harsh and go after that person and tell them how stupid they were, even though they were. It's not my job. My job is to be gentle. Your job and my job is not only to always be gentle, but always be humble. So you need to approach them with humility. It says looking to yourself so that you will not also be tempted. So in other words, we got to be real with ourselves. And understand the depth of our depravity. That but by the grace of God, what? There go I. That me and you and our sin natures are capable of every and any sin. Please understand that. That's how bad you are. That's how bad I am. I'm not saying we would commit the sin. We are capable of it. That's the sin nature that you have and that I have. And so we approach people who have fallen not putting their sin under the microscope. We approach it very humbly. Not arrogantly. Realizing that I too am tempted to sin. And I too can mess up. So we always seek to restore. And we need to always be gentle. And we need to always be humble. And we need to always be helpful. It says bear one another's burden. You don't kick them when they're down. You help them up. I want you to understand something about our church. Our church is not a perfect church. I know, isn't that surprising? I want you to understand something. We have never been a perfect church. We will never be a perfect church. I have been here for 23 years as the pastor here. I've seen a lot of sin, seen a lot of brokenness, seen a lot of families self-destruct and individuals. There's sin going on right now in our midst I don't even know about, but you sitting in the chairs do. I want you to understand what our church is. Our, Our church is a hospital for sick people. That's what our church is. And sometimes it's an emergency room. And we just need to stop the bleeding. And I want you to understand, all of us are attending doctors and nurses. Every single one of us. Not just the pastoral staff. This is written to brethren in the church, the entire church, Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2. And I want you to understand, you are on call 24 hours a day. And so am I. We need to be willing to stop whatever we're doing when we find out someone has gone off the tracks. And we need to seek to restore them, love them, be gentle with them. 
Now, I understand there are people who, who go off in sin and they could care less and they just keep going off in sin. Matthew 18 talks how to deal with those people. And ultimately, church discipline. And we practice that here because we practice the Bible at this church. But we practice it in love. Always seek restoration. I want to give you another verse. Spiritual people always confront graciously. Say that with me. Spiritual people always confront graciously. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father. To the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters in all purity. There are times confrontation is needed. There are times you're going to need to confront somebody who's living in sin. Or who's done something that isn't right. But we need to go about it the right way. Our job is not to publicly or privately humiliate and chastise someone. It says do not sharply rebuke an older man. An older woman. A younger man. A younger woman. But rather appeal to them. So this is what God is teaching here. You appeal to them based on relationship to them. You don't rebuke them and chastise and humiliate. Whether it's your spouse or your children or a coworker or a boss or a stranger who just cut you off on the highway. Your job is not to humiliate and flip them off. Your job is to confront graciously and appeal to them based on relationship. Now again, this is in the context of the church. Why? Because your job is to guard and preserve relationship as a first priority. Guard and preserve relationship. Don't be burning bridges. It's easy to burn bridges. It's hard to build them. Do the hard work. Of building bridges, not burning them. There are times we've got to have difficult conversations and difficult confrontations because there's been a disagreement. Guard the relationship. If, if you have to talk to a man who's older than you, you have to appeal to him as your dad. All guys here older than me, raise your hand. I'm 51. You're my dad. I need some money. <laughs> yeah. All, all ladies here, see who's honest, older than 51. Mom, how you doing? All guys here, younger than 51. You're my little bros. All girls here, ladies, younger than 51. You're my little sisters. See what God is saying? See yourself as family. And appeal to others based on family and appeal to others as you would your own family because hopefully you would be respectful to your own family members. What else do we learn? Not only always seek restoration, always confront graciously. Here's another important passage and I referred to it earlier. Spiritual people always confront privately. Say that with me. Spiritual people always confront privately. Matthew 15 or Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault on social media. No. 
What does it say? In private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. If he does not listen to you, take two or more with you. So by by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And it goes on to, to what to do when it comes to the church. But I want you to notice how it starts. If somebody has hurt you, you go one on one. This is a private matter. You don't start with the church. You don't start with a group of people. You don't start with a group of friends. You don't tell all your friends what they did to you. You don't put it on social media. If you do, you're a hypocrite. You are a hate-filled hypocrite is what you are. Because a spiritual person goes one-on-one and tries to make this right. Now, if they don't listen to you and the hurt, they've still at odds with you and they've done something really bad, then you take two or three with you. Two or three mature, godly individuals, out of love, you confront that person. They still don't do it, then you come to the bigger group of the church and we work through this. But I want you to understand something. Hypocrisy talks about other people's sins. Hypocrisy is not private with other people's sins. Spiritual maturity is. So always seek restoration. Always confront graciously. Always confront privately. And, and, and we see something else here. That spiritual people. Spiritual people always love. Not hypocrites. 1 Peter 4.8. Above all. Above all. Make this the priority. Keep fervent in your love for one another. Don't let it wane. Don't let it die down. Continue to love that person. Don't stop loving that person. No matter what that person did to you. Because love, what does it do? It covers a multitude of sins. And that's exactly what Jesus did for me. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus did for you. You know, he still loves you even though you failed him this past week, some of us. You know, his love is continuing to cover you. He's not exposing all of your sins for everyone to see. His love continues to cover your sins. He died for all of your sins. He says, listen, I want you to cover people's sins. You don't expose them and uncover them and tell everybody else about what they did. Cover other people's sins. You don't announce it. You don't give all the juicy details. You don't know what they did, Pastor. You don't know, and they they deserve it, and they... Okay, fine. What does God say? Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. They've hurt you horribly bad. They've done something, betrayed you. Then you hand them over to God. You've got to give them over to God, because revenge is mine, says the Lord. It's not for you to take revenge. God knows how best to deal with those individuals. The passage goes on, and if my enemy is hungry, what am I supposed to do? Feed him poison. No. (laughs) Feed him. Give him a drink if he's thirsty. And, And we're told, pray for our enemies, those who persecute us. Give them into the hands of God. This hurricane of hate and hypocrisy, be so careful. 
It's found in the most religious places and people. It's downright rude and disrespectful. It utilizes this double standard. It specializes in shaming, not saving. Next, it seeks the full weight of the law. You're talking category five hate and hypocrisy hurricane. It just wants destruction. Now the law of Moses commanded, in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What did the law state? Well, the seventh commandment was pretty clear. You shall not ad- commit adultery, Exodus twenty fourteen. Marriage is sacred. We know that. We're reminded in the New Testament in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is to be held in honor among all. The marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. God does judge. Praise God. He doesn't have to judge when we come to Jesus and we repent of sins. And he forgives us of any and all sin. But those who refuse to come to the Lord will face the judgment of the Lord. So grace and mercy is offered for every and any sin. But if you don't receive the gift of grace and mercy, you are asking for his judgment. Understand that. Leviticus 20, prescribed the death penalty. Verse 10, if there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife and the one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. This was some serious capital punishment going on. And by the way, in the Old Testament, capital punishment wasn't just for this. If you had a rebellious child, he could be put to death. Be thankful, young people. Now, the death penalty seemingly was not carried out as often as one might think, though. When you read through scripture. And we see that David and Bathsheba and many others were not put to death. And next week we we will see as James 2.13 teaches. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over what? We're going to see mercy triumph over judgment next week. And it is amazing. But hateful hypocrites are all about the law. They are sticklers to the law, the letter of the law. They demand the full weight of the law. It's about condemnation, no compassion. It's about the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Oh, and by the way, these guys know the law. They know it quite well, especially every verse on judgment. And they're they're good as well as others are at throwing verses in, in people's faces like rocks. That's not how scripture is supposed to be used. As a rock. Be careful how we use scripture and how we use verses. Be careful not just to consider the letter, but also the spirit of the law. And we will see the Lord Jesus deal with that next week. One more thing we see. The hurricane of hate and hypocrisy They are experts in in using and manipulating people. That's what hypocrites do. They're experts in using and manipulating people. Look at verse 6. They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. So they are totally using this woman. She's not a person. She doesn't have a name to them. She is an object. She is bait. And they're hoping Jesus will take the bait. They are using this woman. There's no feelings for her. There's no care for her. There's no counsel offered for her. 
There's no prayer for her. And by the way, they're willing to play with her life. Literally, dangling her life on the line as they seek Jesus' life. Hypocrites don't care about the lives of people. They only care about what people can do for them. What they can get out of them. What people can bring them. Be careful. Be careful not to use people. Be careful. Be careful. Purify your motives. Be careful how you treat people. To care for them. To get to know them. Find out who they are. What's important to them. What they're going through. See, these guys are hypocrites. Here's the truth. The truth is they could have tried her in their own courts. They didn't need to come to Jesus. Jesus wasn't an official judge. Jesus wasn't a part of the Sanhedrin or the, or the Jerusalem Supreme Court, if you will, at the time. This is nothing but a trap. And this is what the trap was doing. If Jesus objected to stoning this woman caught in adultery, he would be called guilty of breaking the law of Moses discredit himself as a teacher and the Messiah and and even could be insinuated as encouraging people to commit adultery. So that's one aspect they have him trapped. On the other hand, if Jesus, uh, 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 you know, if he objects to stoning her, if Jesus then agrees to stoning her, his reputation of compassion, being a friend of sinners, is ruined. And then the Jewish leaders can then report him to the Roman authorities who were alone in charge of executions, that he was subverting Rome. So Jesus really is between a rock and a hard place. They have have completely formed this very elaborate trap, and they've sprung it very well. How in the world is he going to get out of this one? Next week. Now, I want you to remember something about haters. Something about haters. They do their best to hide their hate, but it will eventually come out. And when it comes out, oh, it'll come out. Proverbs 26, 23 through 26 teaches us this about hypocritical haters. Like an earthen vessel overlaid with silver dross are burning lips and a wicked heart. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he lays up deceit in his heart. And when he speaks graciously, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. And though his hatred covers itself with guile, his wickedness will be revealed before what? The assembly. So privately, they are all buddy-buddy and all friendly-friendly. But there may be coming a time when they get in front of people and they will let you have it in front of as many people as possible. See, hatred can only be disguised for so long. Deceit can only remain hidden for so long. These abominations in the heart concealed for so long and then it comes. I was, I was here last Wednesday night and there was a storm rolling in and it was right across Plainfield Road. And that's the Andersons' property over there. They, they had prayed for rain, and look, God just answered. I'm telling you. 
<laughs> you know, that's Plainfield Road right across from the youth sanctuary. That, isn't that amazing? All of a sudden, this storm out of nowhere, just boom. And there it was. And that's what haters are like. All of a sudden, they will roll in out of nowhere. But the wicked are like the tossing sea. For it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. The hurricane of hatred and hypocrisy has made landfall. It has made landfall, and I want you to understand what is going on. There is a tug of war between these religious leaders and the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is a woman's soul caught in the middle. There is a tug of war for her soul. The religious leaders are pulling And we will see how Jesus responds. For there is only one who can calm this storm. And he's going to send it back out to sea. And he is going to rescue this woman caught in this tempest. And the darkness of this storm is the background on which the light of God's mercy is going to shine. The hurricane of hate and hypocrisy though, say it with me. It's found in the most religious places and most religious people. It's downright rude and disrespectful. Utilizes a double standard. Specializes in shaming and not saving. Seeks the full weight of the law. And are experts in using and manipulating people. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.